1: Welcome to MLB Daily, your one stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ Lafura, and exuberantly, I say next to me is Brandon Carum. We are a belly up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, are you having a good day, old sport?
2: Yeah, not a bad day. Um, very excited. The racetrack opens tomorrow here. Um, We'll be spending some time there this weekend. Um, Yeah, very excited. Saratoga is about to be um, jumping from now until when I leave.
1: Saratoga is about to become an absolute chaos mess, but that's beside the point. Brandon, what if I told you that I managed to get gasoline for under $4.40 a gallon today and our first set of news here?
2: Yeah, that's pretty interesting um, because I filled up yesterday at 460, so.
1: Oh, this, uh, this gas station I found was an absolute outlier from anything else. But more importantly, Brandon, the big news of today, this is Wednesday, July 13th, and the coaching carousel is strangely very active right now
2: yeah the Toronto Blue Jays have fired their manager Charlie Montoyo um, they will have bench coach John Snyder take over um, and their A manager will be joining the staff as the interim bench coach um yeah you know I certainly didn't think this was going to happen there I know they've had a really rough stretch they've won I think what what are they two and nine in their last eleven games or something or one in ten something really bad and um, they're one in nine one in nine in their last ten um, and they won last night <laughs> they won yesterday and it just wasn't enough he gets fired they're in a playoff spot right now if the season were to end right now okay. they make the playoffs. The last time I can remember in sports, all sports, a manager getting fired with his team already in like a playoff spot is when the Cleveland Cavaliers were first in the Eastern Conference and they fired their coach, David Blatt. Um, When they were literally, (laughs) they were winning, they were, they were. First in their whole conference, and it wasn't good enough. Toronto no,
1: no, not two, not they were number one, not two, not three, not or four.
2: Yeah, um, Toronto is tied for a playoff spot right now, um, but they would be in should the season end today. Yeah, just I don't know. This is in a very really interesting move. Hopefully, it doesn't backfire like the Angels' move. Um, but who knows? Toronto is clearly much more talented than. LA and this is not where the roster should be at this point. Four games over 500 is not where they thought this roster would be at uh, July 13th.
1: No. And, you know, reading into a little bit more of uh, Jeff Passons digging, it really came down to everyone in that organization loved Charlie Montoyo, but the standard of play for this team that the expectations had finally surpassed what he was capable of. And they finally had to pull the trigger even on a nice guy. And that's just, that's the way it works. I mean, not to kick a guy while he's down, but I could have told you that this guy wasn't the winning manager last fall. I could have told you that at the end of last September, there were people raising this question last June. So, you know, I think ultimately... We saw the writing was on the wall that this team was ready to compete a while ago. And so this question should have been coming up a lot sooner than it did, but at least it did now. The big question mark I have is again, going to a bench coach here. You know, I know you're in the middle of the season and like turnover could like cripple the team, but this is turnover either way. If you're trying to change the culture and get bring a winning standard is just replacing one guy that's already in this system with another guy that's already in this system really going to change anything. I don't know. I just feel like there are enough quality or experienced managers in, in the free agent pool, whatever you want to call it right now, that they could throw in on a trial run. They might not be the best thing for this team. They might not last through the rest of the year, but, or I mean, they'll last through the rest of the year, but past this year. But I think rolling the dice with somebody outside of the organization, or at least outside of the direct team, is way more productive and has way better chance of getting the Blue Jays to where they thought they would be this year than just bringing up the bench coach. Like I honestly would have rather. Would you? What did you say the name of the AAA coach was?
2: Um. This. I. I don't. Let me see what his name was. Casey I, Candaly, Can, Candale, Can, yeah, something like that. I would like
1: rather that. have Casey Candale as the manager than I would him as the bench coach. You get it?
2: Yeah. No, no, I get that. Um, But, you know, LJ, at the end of the day, let's be real here. <laughs> Managers do not do... They do not impact wins and losses nearly as much as people think and if you want to point fingers on this Blue Jays team you can certainly do that let's not act like there hasn't been a lot of guys that have underperformed um this season mainly um yeah you just signed Jose Barrios to a seven-year contract and this is his worst season since his rookie season and it's not even close this is not jose barrios that we're watching out there um i don't know where the real jose barrios is he would like would the to...
1: real jose barrios please stand up
2: yeah would would you like to come and pitch um and not have a negative negative point three war um you're getting paid 131 million for seven years um you're stuck here through 2028 so it could be a long long contract him and him and Christian Yelich are trying to figure out who's going to be more hated by their fan base at the end of their contract. Um,
1: well, yeah. Jose Barrios, I feel like is a thing where it's like first off, they're Canadians; they're incapable of. Getting, yeah, but they like,
2: could have went and got game. Robbie Ray back, and instead they yeah. chose Barrios. Like that's right there is a is a is a wrong oh, move,
1: boneheaded move. Because anyone could have told you that that wasn't the right thing, and it's not just because of how good Wabi Way was last year. Um. Jose Barrios was not the Jose Barrios we saw at the end of his tenure in Minnesota in Toronto.
2: He was okay, but it wasn't anything crazy.
1: He was he was just fine. I mean, 358 good. It's it's only a 10 point difference from what he was doing in Minnesota. It's not that big, but when you overall look at the impact, he felt far more impactful the majority of the time he was in Minnesota than when he was in toronto that's a situation where just because you traded for him does not mean you have to extend him
2: yeah um and just because robbie ray i mean what surprised me is that both guys robbie ray and carlos Rodon, two guys who had never really had a good season prior to 2021 they both go off and then they both get big contracts i mean what what carlos rodon got yes he he bet on himself but that's still a lot of money for those two years and they both pitched really good since then um you know they showed teams that no 2021 was not just a one-year thing um were actually consistently good and i'm glad that we're seeing that out of out of both of them they both ran to the west coast to to get
1: their bag Absolutely. So, Brandon, what's your fix this year for the Blue Jays? I
2: I don't know because you look at the roster on paper and like I'm not gonna say that they should make any trades because I I don't think that and you know you made that Matt Chapman deal in the off season already right um so mm-hmm. there's or did they sign Matt Chapman?
1: They traded for for Matt Chapman.
2: They traded for Matt Chapman. That's right. Um,
1: Again, and then then you extend him. You trade trade and extend him. Has he really proven to bounce back to what the Matt Chapman was?
2: Ninety eight OPS plus. Yeah, I mean that's that's what we're used to now out of Matt Chapman, right? Over the last we're, like two seasons, is that
1: we're generally that... fine with that. Like as long as he's not a.
2: It's his worst hitting season ever, though. Is what we do have to talk about.
1: Yeah. It's His not worst season. great, but it's not it's not the solution that they were looking for, which is really what I'm trying to get at He's here. still
2: at 1.1 war, so he he's had some positive value for that.
1: But at the end of the day, when he was your star to go get, they basically tried to be the poor man's braves. They let a star infielder in Marcus Simeon walk, and then they went and traded for another guy, notable name, a star from a small market. And it did not work out nearly as well as the Matt Olson trade has done for Atlanta.
2: Well, another guy that you could point the, the finger at on offense that has not performed well and was an extremely highly pick in fantasy is Bo Bichette. Um, I never understood why he was getting picked in the first round in fantasy drafts that made little to no sense to me. Um, for a guy that had a 121 OPS plus last year, yeah, he, he, sure, he, he puts up counting stats because he doesn't walk at all. He refuses to walk. Um, he hits the top of the order. He's going to have, like, probably the most played appearances at the end of the year. But he is, this is his worst hitting season, also, so far.
1: Again, yeah, you're, you're preaching to the choir here when we talk about the, uh, Boba Shed is mid-train. I think I'm the conductor of that.
2: I the just think get the fantasy stuff. It didn't make any sense. The fantasy stuff didn't make sense. Fantasy baseball makes no sense to me because it's just, you're looking at, like, you have to evaluate the players like it's the 70s. Like, that's that's just how you play.
1: To an extent, but at the same time, like, it's just like every other fantasy sport where people get over, over-analyzed. Like, they overly analyze things to death. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you get conclusions which are completely wrong. The Boba Shett conclusion, Kevin Wilson even told us, shouldn't have happened. Yeah. So no one should be touching him, especially with how early he was going.
2: All the hype was just like, oh, he did this at age 23, so it must be better the next year, right? Like, you know,
1: The hype was a combination of 23 and also the fact that this team was supposed to be the division leader. And when division when you're on a division winner, I think in fantasy, people immediately overhype your value because they think, oh, division winner, he'll be on a good offense. They'll be scoring a lot of runs. And any team that's scoring runs creates significantly more value in fantasy. But either way, I don't know. I just think, you know, you you look at this guy and it's just not he is not the number three star. He's not he's not number three player potential there. I'm not sure I a hundred percent see it. Frankly, if you take George Springer out of this team, I don't I don't think there's they're not they're not five hundred, are they?
2: Well, uh I wouldn't even say well, because this this offense has been really good. Like as a team, they have a one eleven way to runs created plus. So I'm not gonna dock them there. It, at the end of the day, it's been the starting pitching that has let them down. Um when you look at what Hyunjin Ryu Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi all did this year in the time that they pitched. And I know that Ryu and Kikuchi are on the IL. All three of those guys have pitched terrible this year. And when you have three of your five opening day starting pitchers um, not pitching anywhere close to what we expect them to, um, yeah, you're going to end up with the 17th best ERA for your starting rotation.
1: Um, I'm going to try to defend – I really – I shouldn't waste – I shouldn't spend so much time on this, but I'm going to try to defend Yusei Kakuchi here because, like, it's been frequent injuries. It hasn't just been one big, long one. Like, these are clearly things that were affecting him. On the other hand, Hinge and Ryu, they have stuck with way too long. I'm sorry. but He's if, so
2: washed at this – it's just washed. I'm sorry, and I love the I, guy. He's washed. I
1: respect – I respect the fact that they're honoring him being their best player for a couple of years. Like he was clearly the best 2020, player. 2020,
2: he was their best player easily. Yeah. Three,
1: or excuse me. Um, yeah, 2020 he was their best player, and they brought him in after two incredible years. But I just it it it's over at this point. You know, you he got to 169 innings last year, but it genuinely felt like he also wasn't healthy at the same time. Did you get that same vibe?
2: Yeah. I mean, 31 starts is, 31 starts is, is actually really impressive. Um, But yeah, there was, I mean, looking at it, it it doesn't really look like he had more than like 10 days in between any, any given start. Um, I guess 11 there. So yeah, there was here and there, there was a few bumps in the road, but Thirty-one starts. Honestly,
1: it's like it's more that, honestly, is worse towards this point. The fact that I kind of in my my memory, my recollection was that he was hurt, on and off throughout the year. That really more means that he was just flat out forgettable last year. Like he was so middle of the pack bad that it wasn't even worth me remembering and commenting on. Um, now you're seeing back to back years. He's not able to stay healthy this year. You know, you got to cut ties here, especially when you've got young guys who really have a lot of potential to be big for this team. I mean, there, there, there's some decent names in this system on this group. I mean, you got to start thinking. I'm still
2: waiting for Nate Pearson. I feel like we've been hearing about him for so long. He's been out since the end of March. Like, come on now. I don't know. What is it?
1: Mono. What is- Bro, it's Mono.
2: He has mono?
1: He's trying to live his life, bro.
2: <laughs> okay, I didn't realize that he had mono. Okay. Um
1: where is where where forever, where wherever could Nate Pearson be? Um
2: Alright, well that's that's understandable. I buffs hopefully he can at least come back this season, right? That's the, the that one not put you out for the whole year. Right?
1: I to be honest. I didn't think it would keep you out six months either.
2: Yeah, I well I didn't or think it'd keep months. you out from April yeah. from the start of April to the middle of July.
1: But he's uncharted water this is like this is like a menoma, mega mono oh mega nucleate. I can't say it. Never mind.
2: Alright, but LJ, real talk. Nate Pearson, he's twenty five years old. He's gonna be twenty six on August twentieth. This is no longer like the Blue Jays' next young, hype-starting pitcher. Alec Manoa already took that that spot over. There's, there's oh. no question. Nate Pearson <laughs> is now just going to be a guy who's pitched in like 10 MLB games. Um, that's going to be like 27 the next time he pitches, or 26 the next time he pitches. He's just going to be a guy. Um, he blew his chance to be the new, young, up-and-coming ace. Because he just can't stay
1: healthy um i'm gonna push back a little bit there i think he has an opportunity to be the next up-and-coming guy he's not going to be the young stud anymore he's got a this pitch point, to be able to even 25
2: 25 26
1: you know we're talking this is the same situation with jaron duran where it's kind of that do or die situation when you're with your first club it's if you can't break through now they're going to have to move on at some point and figure out something else. Or you're yeah, but to...
2: like a a guy like a Lucas Giolito, his age twenty five season was his fifth year in the league.
1: Oh, exactly. Like... There's there's a lot of guys that don't break in till twenty seven, twenty eight. But those guys aren't the ones that are hyped up. Like if he's going to get going he's going to have to get going now. And all of a sudden yeah, no, he's got to
2: get going now. Like there can't be any bumps in the road. Like we've seen with other guys who were supposed and, to be the young studs.
1: And this isn't to say we're completely writing him off past that. However, if he doesn't get it going soon, if he doesn't get back, if this mono doesn't magically vanish at the end of the all-star break and he come, doesn't come through in the majors like gangbusters, then that doesn't mean his major league career is necessarily over in my eyes. I just think, you know, you're talking about the, Oh, he's the, he's the veteran that finally makes it works his way up into there. Like once you get into the 27 range, 27, 28 range of getting called up, then all of a sudden I'm looking at you and you're like, all right, you're probably going to get us maybe two, three prime years. Mm. Like at your peak will only last max four years. And that's not nearly as valuable as the guy who comes up at 23 and has like eight great seasons than the three great seasons but ultimately if we're talking about if he still can get the hype i think he can get the hype just because in my eyes alec Manoa has already passed that point he is no longer the young up and comer this guy is the star and rotation ace at 24 I just think he's he's elevated himself at this point with his performance past that hopeful looking towards the future. He's the right now. So Nate Pearson can definitely move into that role, but there's also a couple guys on AAA. There's, there's some decently notable names where they haven't necessarily been great on the major league level, but I can definitely see them, you know, having, having that late peak guys like um, Matt Peacock, they, grab up off of waivers he's not i don't think his career is over anthony Kay was the guy who originally my eyes jumped to Mm. has already already got a year of service time with the mets but i think again definitely at 27 his career is far from over there's plenty of guys who could break into this rotation and kind of become the fix in the next year or so
2: well certainly think we got through our blue jays talk for the day Let's jump over to a story that was transpiring kind of like a week and a half ago when LJ was gone. I may have briefly touched on it in one of my short shows, but, um, this whole Freddie Freeman thing. So from what I understand and what I read and what we know now, Freddie Freeman, well, so he ended up firing his, his agency. He's now represented by nobody, um, himself I guess for now but it's he if you fire your agents now after you signed this contract and you waited so long in free agency to sign and apparently you hated your agency and I, I don't know what's 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 going on here LJ what's what why would he stick with this agency for his free agency and then, after he signs the contract, which I'm sure that agency gets a nice little piece of, he's like, Yeah, well, I don't need you guys anymore. I'll be uh, represented by someone else. He's not going to have to negotiate another contract for quite a bit, though. So it's just, it's all very confusing to me.
1: Um, it's not confusing to me. This is entirely about him retaking control of his life. Um, and yeah, if you're talking about. If there were I, I hadn't necessarily heard the whole part about prior issues with his agency before going into free agency. However, it just seems like the final offer was the last straw. You know, I think if you're an agent, if you're an agent, you should, as much as you're caring about the money, you need to care about the guy's best interest too. Because overall that's that's your career is putting guys in the situations they're happy with now most of these guys just want to chase the bag, they want to go where they can get the most money. But if you've got a guy who has other priorities lined up. I think you got to find a way to balance your personal interest and in the financial gain with his personal interest of where he wants to play because. You know, at the end of the day that's how you get more clientele right that's how you keep your reputation up is by keeping your current staff happy so by not telling him about the brave final offer. That's just awful. Like, it's just, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting work from him. He knew he wanted the bag that he was going to be able to get out of Freddie's LA deal. And that's where, where he ended up sending him out to. And I'm sure Freddie was like, yes, I wouldn't mind going to LA, but it's very clear, abundantly clear. Every single time you've watched Atlanta play the Dodgers, every time you've seen him interact with his old teammates every single time you've seen his son run over and uh, hug Uncle Dansby or say hi to Acuna, it's like he his heart almost looks like it's breaking a little bit. That that's the way I that's the way I've seen it. And then it was absolutely painful to watch him return to Atlanta. Just the o- overall emotion surrounding that that stuff. And so I'm sure at that point. He wasn't feeling good about the decision at all. The decision that was largely made for him. And then to come to find out that weekend that there was another offer that would have been on the table. Something he clearly, presumably, would have accepted. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: I never win and tell.
1: Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void rep prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That would have been the last straw for me, too. I cut ties with that agency. And frankly, if I'm Freddie Freeman, I'm not sure I go to anyone. You know, you talk about, Oh, I guess he's managing himself right now at this point. He's not somebody who has to go out and seek out um, endorsement deals. He's a big enough star that that type of thing comes to him. There's nothing he needs an agent for right now, anytime in the near future. And when it comes to negotiating his next contract, negotiating things with the Dodgers, Negotiating a trade back to Atlanta. Just gonna drop that there, set it down for you, like, like let you take a good look at it. Um, And then, I guess my point is, when his contract comes up, something tells me he's gonna find it, kind of gonna force his way back to Atlanta, whatever the contract is. But ultimately, you know, these agents aren't necessary, right? You are fully capable. Every player is fully capable. Of representing himself fully. No, cared. but no, but
2: they're there to make sure that the teams don't take advantage of the players. Which let's not act like that they don't already do that.
1: Oh, so, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we should get rid of them, but I'm saying it's to make guy, sure that
2: these teams aren't, you know, ripping off the players more than they already are.
1: But if a guy wants to be in full control of his legacy, of his life, and chooses to represent himself, that is fully possible. He is fully capable of doing it. I'm not saying every guy should, but if that's the path that Freddie Freeman chooses, I respect it, especially with how things went here.
2: Well, LJ, um, did you, did you, did you, did your main man Tony LaRussa did yesterday?
1: Um, you broke up quite a bit, but Tony LaRussa.
2: Did you see what he did yesterday? No. Well, LJ Tony LaRusa intentionally walked Jose Ramirez on an 0-1 count.
1: Okay. I've seen worse.
2: He's done worse, but still. <laughs> <laughs> he let the pitcher throw a strike to him. And then said, nah, actually, no, I'm okay.
1: That's like the type of thing I would do in the show, or um. What do you call it? Uh, out of the park baseball, where I start considering whether or not I want to want to do it. I decided to let a pitch go by. And then all of a sudden I realize I made the wrong choice. And would you like up. to
2: hear more of the scenario to really put this in? Scenario,
1: yes. Give me the scenario, please, please. All
2: right. So the White Sox are losing four to nothing. So they're down four. OK. In the bottom of the fifth inning. there's two outs and there's a runner on second base and Jose Ramirez steps up to the plate
1: and who's behind Jose last night
2: um uh, let me see because he was hitting third so you're walking Jose to get to the cleanup hitter it was the first game that doesn't
1: mean anything anymore though
2: it was the first game of the doubleheader yesterday
1: okay in, Um... in which they
2: lost four to one Hitting wow. behind Jose was Fran Mil Reyes.
1: Does Fran Reyes scare me as much as Jose Ramirez? No, he doesn't. I don't know. I just I don't I don't see the big deal with this.
2: It did work out because Fran Mil Reyes struck out in the next in the next bet, at bat but we cannot act like this is normal we just can't
1: it's not all right it's not normal but it's not the end of the world by any means like it is way different being in a situation where you got two strikes on the board you're a strike away from getting getting out of the inning and you put the guy on that is a very different concept than one strike because one strike like i don't know what the exact batting average percentages are but with one strike your odds are still almost at where they would have been with no strikes
2: it's probably a little worse but yeah I mean, you no, know, it's, it's, it's
1: definitely worse like it's the- theoretically it has to be worse but it's not bad at that point like you're not in get you're not in at own an own one count you're not in danger
2: um well let's just say white sox fans have absolutely had enough if you just look up Tony Russa's name on Twitter it's millions of people calling for him. To get fired, um, ozzy Guillen. So works for the White Sox. Okay, works for the White Sox. Does their post game show ripped into him and said that he is Rick Renteria with credentials. That's all he is. Um, surprising that Charlie Montoyo gets fired, but Tony the Rusa. The you know they were supposed to win the AL Central this year as well. Um, is under 500 losing in one of the worst divisions in the league. And he's just allowed because his good old buddy, Jerry Reinsdorf on the team.
1: Yeah. That's ultimately ultimately what it is. Ultimately that Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't care that much about the fan experience. Like with like Toronto, we can all, have we ever doubted the fact that Toronto is a good organization I would generally say that they're an ethical organization. They're not Kansas City, but they're an ethical organization. Toronto's
2: a really good organization to play for. I think just yeah. in general, they're they're a highly respected club.
1: Yeah, I, I more so look at the fan perspective oh, where yeah. it's a matter of are they doing things not in the bet necessarily in the best interest of themselves, but in the best interest of me. The best, the thing in the best interest of the team was probably to keep him on because, you know, you're you're probably going to end up like this is probably going to cost them more money in the long run to not to fire him than it is to keep him. You're losing the culture of Charlie Montoya, which if he's a really nice guy, I'm sure a lot of people didn't want to lose him in the clubhouse. They didn't want to lose him in the front office because they liked the guy. That ultimately would have been the best choice in the interest of the team because they're still going to make the playoffs and they're still going to make a boatload of money. Meanwhile, the best thing for the fans is for him to be out and they chose the best thing for the fans. Um, a little more on the Framila Reyes thing. Yeah, he does have, he isn't the first percentile of strikeout percentage. However, his launch angle this year is 12.1 degrees. So immediately my thought process was, all right, this is a power hitter that mostly hits the ball under the ground. And then when he doesn't, it goes out. And that's why they put him on, but that—that's not the case. That's clearly not the case.
2: I wonder, like, what exactly he looks at, though. Like, I—I I, I guess what's most confusing is why are you letting them get strikes on them, and then—and then walking them. Like, is there any justification or reason you could think? Like, unless he thinks maybe the other runner is going to steal, but then at that point. You're putting the runner on first so that you have a force at first, second, and third with two. I don't know, LJ. What? Uh, what who was
1: on the who was on the mound? Is my next question.
2: It was not not anyone good, just like last time.
1: Um, it's really more a matter of righty or lefty is what I'm looking for. It was
2: a righty, and Jose Ramirez is a okay. switch hitter.
1: Yeah. So so yeah. it was. It could have been a. It could have been a matchup thing too.
2: Because yeah.
1: Then, then you get right on right.
2: Davis Martin. Okay, I mean, it worked out. They still lost the game. Um, but, yeah, it worked out. Um, oh, here's more of the Ozzy Guillen quote. Tony, come on, just wake up, man. Believe me, I'm sorry. You're my hero, I love you. But if I'm managing, I'm going to let them know exactly what they need to hear from everyone else. I'd say, hey, guys, what are we doing here? This is not, This is not the first time we've seen this happen. This happens almost every day. I don't know if they want to be there. They're not having fun at all.
1: Yeah, because no one trusts the manager. I feel bad. It's it's incredibly hard to both have fun or put together winning baseball when you don't – or really a winning product, a successful product in any industry when you don't love or at least respect and trust your leadership. Like, that's the most important thing towards putting that stuff together. In a lot of situations, it can be more important than the town. And, you know, I don't know. I don't want to push too hard because really hating on the White Sox is Brandon's thing. I get I get the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. He gets the uh, A's and the White Sox. Yes. So I'll turn it over to you.
2: I actually kind of like how you go after the big market teams and like the more... <laughs> well-built up teams and i'm just like yeah yeah you know you just I, I, a little, guys. I just hate the a's <laughs> you know <laughs> i hate the white Sox. well no you know i've never the white Sox have some like guys that i genuinely really enjoy watching i, I like giolito I, like, I like lou rob <laughs> okay i'm
1: sick and tired of your paul blackburn hate
2: no, I'm look the the A's have really have a really good radio broadcast. Actually, I I, I like what they do with that broadcast. Um, along with I mean, our guy,
1: four, yeah, go ahead. Former Glens Falls Dragon Ramon Lariano.
2: Yeah, Ramon Loriano um, famously charged the Astros bench in 2020. Charged their hitting coach. Remember that. Um, yep. Great moments. Great moments. I kind of wish that we did MLB daily during the, the COVID season because the, the takes and the arguments for like the playoffs and the 60 game season would have just been incredible. It was my first year at college. We
1: to the lead up in the lead up to the season would have been even better.
2: Yeah. I or Imagine if we had, like, been doing it the same schedule how we had been, like, this year, but then a COVID happened instead of the lockout, and we'd be sitting there like, wow, this is just, this is. What are
1: we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'll I'll tell you, though, this might be an unpopular opinion. The peak of sports talk radio was the pandemic.
2: Yeah, because everybody had, because everyone was just. There was no
1: sports to talk about. And all it was. The one time
2: Sports Talk Radio was you could actually listen to it. I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) Brutal. I No, I'm going to push back there because you can find really, really quality programming on iHeartRadio. I just don't like... 102.9 WLAS LP Newton.
2: LJ, look, I just don't like the shows like that are in the big cities and they have these people call up that know literally nothing. They just watched. They watched a highlight of on the news of the game last night, and they're mad because, oh well, back in the eighties and nineties, we gotta you know these athletes aren't tough anymore. We gotta toughen them up. We gotta this. It's all these callers that just bring nothing to the show but just like a good laugh, a good entertainment in the car. You know,
1: that's all they have. That's that's a new. That's a very nichely New York thing. I will say.
2: Philly, too, I feel like.
1: Philly, Philly seems like the type of place. I'll get into the Boston stuff, but I will say, one more pitch for Big 3. You're not going to see any of that. All you're going to hear is Papa Elge, Uncle Elge, and my co-host, Nico's dad, calling in to roast the crap out of us.
2: Oh, I'm I'm, I'm going to call it. in this year. You, you have to give me that in. number. What the heck? You have to give me that phone number. Let me Bro. call in. I'm going to just start. Uh, I'm going to piss off your, your co-hosts real quick, so
1: just trigger them as much as possible honestly i didn't do it enough and now it's going to be on on tape so me saying this is going to be proven um later down the line i didn't text into the show while on the show enough <laughs> just screw it up.
2: oh
0: boy
1: <laughs> um but no boston doesn't do that as much it's not as bad it's not like What I heard on multiple times, or not multiple times, but similar things multiple times on New York radio, where I had a guy go three minutes literally on how he swore Adam Gase ate glue sticks. Like, that's how dumb he was, is that he ate glue sticks. And he went on for five minutes about it. Um, No, basically, the entire Boston sports media is entirely focused on Tom Brady. Still? It's, It's unlistenable. Still? I stopped listening to WEEI. I'm going to tell you right now, Boston Radio, the mainstream Boston Radio, died the day that Tom Brady put his Brookline house on the market. <laughs> this happened in 2019.
2: They don't even talk about the Sox? No, barely. What? What no, is the that... So at this point of the year, the Celtics are done. The Patriots training camp hasn't started yet. The Red Sox are actually competitive. Chris Sale is back, which we're going to talk about after we finish this. And they and they just they just don't care.
1: Brandon, if you turn on WEI right now, I'm going to um the other stations are better, but I mean WEI is kind of the leader. Still the legacy station. You turn it on right now, I'm guaranteeing you you're going to listen to Pats coverage. And so, it's it went and then all of a sudden they draft Mac Jones. And then Mac Jones is a lot of the talk, but it's also Brady and it's comparing Mac to Brady. And like I'm telling you, like they went full on unhinged the moment he put his house on the market. There was a full full another season. They went to the had another playoff run before Tom Brady actually left. And yet everything was is Tom Brady leaving? Is this the end of the Patriots from the moment he put the house on the market till now? That is and the answer to that, by the way, is the Patriots are over unless Bill Belichick retires. But we are a baseball podcast, aren't we, Brandon?
2: Yeah, LJ. Uh, let's wrap this up today with Chris Sale made his season debut last night coming back from what was a broken rib injury. I believe. Is that it?
1: Uh, yes, it was a broken rib.
2: 5 scoreless innings, 3 hits, 1 walk, 5 Ks. Um unfortunately, he does he does get a no decision. Um even though he left with a lead because Ryan Brazier and Matt Strom forgot how to pitch for an inning there and
1: yeah, that's okay.
2: They lose. Still very promising and I would have to imagine that in the 78 pitches he threw You've got to be extremely happy.
1: Yeah, you know, this is a good start. Um, I want to see them put together three starts before I'm going to really get too excited about what this means for this team. I'd also like to see the rest of the group get healthy because having Chris Sale means next to nothing it, right now. If you were saying that this was the team you're bringing into the playoffs, I'm going to be like, oh, dear Lord. But you know what? You've got your starting center fielder is still on the I.L., your best by far best left-hander in the pen has been on the IL the entire year. Really? You've got one, two, three, four, five, six starters on the IL right now for the Red Sox. So, you know what, if we get the majority of these, these guys back and really rolling, that's when I'm going to get excited. Not now.
2: Yeah. Um, It's, you know, you're going to start to hear it a lot as we get closer to the trade deadline. But the saying, you know, you can never have enough uh, pitching has never been more true than in today's MLB. Mm -hmm. What I find amazing is like I found a Yankees quiz on Sporacle one day and it was can you name like every player that's played for the 2022 Yankees so far? And, I was, and there was guys that I forgot. Oh, easily. The roster turnover in baseball is so, so big. The 2020 Marlins, I think, had 60 different players play for them in 60 games. Like, that's incredible how you're, they were able to do that. It just shows that, like, having quality arms goes really far and we thought that it was going to be a problem with the Padres and the Astros and both teams have done a really good job managing um all those quality arms that they have I mean the Padres rotation has been sneaky really good all six guys have actually been solid um for them and then of course that Houston rotation we've talked about enough um you know they probably have um a top three top four pitching staff when you include the the bullpen and all of baseball so you yeah. know the teams with the might, quality under hyping underhyping
1: are... them. if we're talking era they're they're two among starters and first and relievers
2: yeah uh yeah they're they're really freaking good um houston is is just a machine year after year but yeah do you have? Do you have? Do you have? Uh, the Orioles officially got to five hundred. Um, so they're forty-four and forty-four at this point. LJ, last year the Orioles at one point were forty-four and ninety-three.
1: This is a great turnaround, you know. They, you, you kind of. This is what you hope for, right? You know, not all of your top prospects, all the guys that you think are going to be your like long-term choices are on this team but they kept grasping at straws they kept trying to find these hidden gems these waiver claims these guys that they could bring up and get value out of and they've gotten so many of them they've got a really nice balanced team here that is going to be able to sustain them as they bring more and more guys up
2: and props to brandon hyde Props to Brandon Hyde and for the organization for sticking with him after the last few seasons. They could have easily just said, you know, um, this isn't the direction to go, but all the players that have played for him love him. Um, The organization loves him and um, just a huge part of this team that's gotten turned around. And it's crazy because they're still in fifth place. This is still a last place team we're talking about, but... It is more than a night and day a difference between what we've seen the last few years. I mean the competitiveness of the Orioles this year is the most competitive I've seen them in at least five or six years at least
1: yeah and this isn't this isn't a situation all team all five teams being a 500 or better isn't a situation you think you would see in June, let alone. The All Star Break, like this, isn't a Memorial Day type thing. This is like a end of April type situation that we are now seeing at the All Star Break, and so all of a sudden you have to ask this question. I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm I'm gonna probably do a little bit of digging. I'm sure somebody's actually done the math at this point because of this news, but this is gonna be talking about an all all time win percentage for a division. I have to feel when you talk about the total win percentage out of this group you know if i'm not necessarily going to say that they're going to be able to all stay above 500 or especially uh, 500 once you get
2: all the intra division games where someone has to lose
1: yeah but they've played a lot of them already it's not like they once we, like we they get through really yankee dead. Sox
2: this this weekend um we're oh i think there's only one or two series left between us um which is crazy how they had the Yankees and Red Sox play opening weekend and then not again until I was there, like, last week. Can we fix that? Oh, it's that?
1: awful, because also it's like, you know, this is supposed to be the best matchup in baseball. And you don't give them time to warm up into the season. Like, there's a big difference between doing this, or doing that opening weekend, and doing Dodgers-Padres two weeks in. And then Dodgers-Padres again three weeks in. Last last year, like those, the teams kind of were getting into a flow. They'd identified what the team was looking like at that point in time. Before you got into those games, everyone was feeling each other out. The teams were feeling themselves out. In well, game. also,
2: I don't think that they were scheduled to play on opening day. Like no, they weren't. So did the MLB? Now my question: Did they read? Do the schedule because those first six days of the season, which got canceled, where are those
1: games? Did they just like that? That's where um, really I'm confused. Those those became either off days or double headers. Like, okay, they, they condensed the schedule. Yeah, they didn't take games out. They so it's, games so out. it's
2: just a, so it's still 162 games, but j- well, yeah, obviously 162 games, but just in six days shorter time. Yes. Huh. Nice. Um Thank you, lockout. just you know,
1: yeah, just trying just trying to sow chaos. Yeah, so I guess my point here is, I'm not expecting all five to stay above 500. However, it's not gonna shock me when this is an all- time great division win percentage because it's not like the Orioles, yes are yes, they're on the best winning streak of of their franchise since 1999 right now with eight games. I think we also, yeah, that's another thing, is we forget how hard it is to win eight games very quick, very often. You know, you get a couple. And know ten- they
2: won nine in a row, yeah.
1: Yeah, you get, you get a couple 10-game win streaks a season, and you're like, oh, cool, 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 but you don't realize how few of them you actually get. Like, it's not easy to put together this type of run. But even before that, they were a very competitive team, so th- they can definitely stay near 500 this year.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you for listening. Check us out Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. We'll see you. See you manana.
0: or.